Let's go to God in prayer. God, we ask that you will help us now. Open our ears and our hearts to your word. God, in your sovereignty, I pray and I beg before the throne of God that you would be gracious to us. That you would open up hearts and minds. Lord, we, we can't wait for any of us to open our hearts. God, we never will on our own. So open up hearts and minds and cause them to see biblical truth this morning, I pray. God, breathe on us life. God, grant us repentance. Grant us faith this morning. God, bring each of us into your presence. Lord, for those who have not seen you before, who are not citizens of your kingdom, God, bring them into your kingdom this morning, I pray. God, open our eyes and our ears to the wonderful truth in your word. May your word be a light to our path. God, I pray that we will see the importance of this gift of prayer that you've given us this morning. God, all of this, any work you do, we know it's for our good, but ultimately it's for your glory. So, God, May your glory be here this morning. For the sake of your great name, may your word not return void. It's in your name. Amen. This morning we gather for our third annual message on prayer to begin the new year that's coming up this week by reminding us on the emphasis of prayer that Prayer should be the priority in each of our lives. Now, some of this may sound familiar to you as I go through and I explain prayer, but for most of you who weren't here a year ago, it may prove insightful to you. And really, all of us need reminding about prayer, don't we? All of us need reminding of prayer because we leak. The scriptures say that each of us, we're like broken cisterns, these broken, cracked containers that need constant filling, and especially when it comes to prayer. Many of us do not have the prayer life that we want or know that we should have. How quickly you and I forget the powerful truth of the importance of of prayer, how quickly I forget it. More times than not, more times than really you and I want to admit, we generally have more an- uh, reasons to be anxious than to be prayerful, don't we? Our hearts tend to lean and run toward unease and worry. It leads us to discontentment and complaining and grumbling, even being frustrated. And experiencing doubt and anxiety. Not that there's less to pray about and there's more to be worried about, but the human tendency, the human tendency, so within each and every single one of us here, the tendency is to run toward those things to worry about. Every year we want to enter this new calendar year 
by being reminded of the importance of prayer and the strength of prayer, the great equipping it is for the Christian life to overcome doubts and to renew prayers. This is a vital aspect of being a Christian. You see, a praying Christian is a healthy Christian. A praying Christian is spiritually awakened to the eternal realities of God. And our relationship with Him is fortified, it's strengthened, it's established and strengthened by His grace in prayer. A praying Christian is armed for spiritual warfare, His Spirit working in prayer. A praying Christian glorifies God by turning to Him with praise and bearing our souls to Him. It's a form of worship and a means of strength and protection and transformative power. I want this for you this morning. I want this for each and every one of you this morning. I want you to have a prayerful life. A healthy Christian is a praying Christian. I want this for you. I want you to be healthy and growing in relationship to God. And you can't do it without prayer. You can't do it by just hanging out with other Christians. You can't do it just reading the Scriptures on your own. We have to do it. We need to do it through prayers. I want you to be well-armed for the spiritual battles that are coming up in this new year. You may not realize it, but in this next year, you are going to be faced with some serious spiritual battles. I want you well-armed for it. I want us as a church to be consistent in prayer, not dependent on our ideas or our planning and our effort, but dependent upon God and His working. And that comes in prayer. I want us as a church to be praying because it has long been the mark of a healthy church. Maybe you don't know how to pray. Maybe your prayers have become mundane or mechanical. And really, none of us pray as we ought. Even those among us who have learned to pray for years, we need reshaping and reviving and sometimes even restoring our prayers. Maybe your prayers are no longer fervent and they've become casual. Well, this emphasis on prayer is intended to jumpstart your prayers for the coming year. To build into your life a deepening desire to pray and to turn dullness into spirit-filled fire that works in your life and then through your life for God's glory. I hope you take these truths with you this morning all throughout the year and enjoy praying big prayers, big prayers this coming year, praying Small prayers, little prayers, everyday prayers, and essential prayers. Never ceasing in your prayers. Always praying. Having a life characterized with praying. But this begs the question, if 
I have been slack in, in praying, or I've never really prayed before, how do I begin? What do I need to do to develop a life of prayer? How, how do we, in the Spirit, regularly cry out to God, pleading to Him, asking Him, being dependent on Him and everything? How do we begin with that? It begins first and only by God's grace. We need God's grace to do a work within each of us. And then we need to know our need to pray. You need to know that you need to pray. See, if we go through life saying prayer's nice, prayer's good, but you don't see the need to pray, then you're not going to pray. You're going to depend upon your own strength and your own abilities to get through the day and, and to accomplish whatever you have in your agenda. But that's not a healthy Christian. We need to know our need to pray. We need to know how helpless we really are. And therefore we pray. It's in our helplessness where we turn to God and we ask Him for help. We, we turn to God and say, God, I can't do this. I can't live this Christian life without you. I can't do what you want me to do without you. When we don't pray, our tendency, the human tendency, is to drift. Maybe you've been drifting in this past year. Maybe you've just been floating along. There's sin that dwells within each one of us. And it's like a current in our own life. If life is like a river, this current flows in the opposite direction from where the Christian is headed. Our own sin in the current of our own life will just allow us to just float and drift away from God's presence. Your sin pulls you away from the living God. And if we don't have a lifestyle that goes against the tide, a life that depends on prayer, we will just simply drift. We'll float. Our flesh naturally wants the easy way. Our own flesh naturally just wants to just float and drift. It's hard going against the tide. It's hard to go against our own temptations and the sin that's within me. That's hard. We make decisions all the time in our own fallen wisdom. When we don't pray, we're basically telling God that we don't need Him. I don't need you, God. I got this. We can do it on our own all the while. In reality, we're floating on that river. We're floating away. We're giving in to our own weaknesses and what we think is good, what we think, how wise we are in reality. We become foolish in our own actions, thinking our own strength is all that we need. When we begin to struggle on that river and realize the current is pulling us away that we're not as strong against temptation as we think we are. That we're not as wise as we lead on to be. That we're not as capable as we try to be. 
We don't need to just simply try harder. We don't need to be indulged. We don't need to feel better about ourselves. We need a rescue boat on that river. See, we will never just swim harder on that tide that's pulling away from from God. We will never, ever get closer to God under our own strength, our own effort. We need rescued. We need a working of God's life-giving Spirit that acts like an oar. It rows against the tide. It's this big oar in this rescue boat just rowing against the tide in your own heart. We need prayer. It's direct access to the throne of God where He pulls us against this tide of the fallen world in our own heart and He brings us closer to Him. That's why God commands us to pray. He doesn't just recommend it. It's too important. It's too good for you to just say, if you choose to pray, no. He commands us to pray because He knows we need prayer. Praying is for our good. In it, we're communing with God Himself. All of His attributes, all of His attributes there for you, there for His people, the Spirit interceding on our behalf. God hears us. Do you realize that? As a follower of Christ, when you pray, God, the Almighty God, the one we've been singing to, the one that created the world, has everything in His hands, He hears you when you pray. And He answers us. His grace gives us what we need. He promises to grow us in His grace through prayer. You see, in reality, a non-praying Christian doesn't exist. Every believer learns to pray. And it seems that the longer you're in the faith, the more prayer you realize you need. God's grace enables you more and more to see just how dependent you really are on God and His grace. And the free access He gives to His people as He transforms believers into saints and he, what He's declared them to be, He's declared you to be a saint and you know that you're not, prayer becomes more and more necessary in a, this constant aspect to your life as He transforms you into that saint. The Bible says that prayer is only for the Christian. Do you realize that? Prayer is only for the Christian. God does not hear prayers of unbelievers. He does not listen to prayers of Hindus or Muslims or Mormons or any other of the false religions or atheists or those who are Christian in name only. God does not hear their prayers. The writer in Hebrews says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Whoever would draw near to God must believe. That means prayers for the Christian. I'm not talking about those who acknowledge Jesus as a real person. I'm not talking about those people 
There are many people who say they, they know that Jesus lived, but they lack faith in him. Holding certain knowledge about God and sin in this world is not the same as faith-filled trusting and believing. Prayers for those who trust and treasure Christ alone for the forgiveness of their sin. Who've surrendered their lives to Him. Who rely on His everlasting righteousness to be their righteousness. And salvation given by God in His grace through faith. If you don't believe in Christ, then your prayers are worthless. You must first believe in the one you're praying to, and then prayer is possible. That's what happens when someone becomes a Christian, when they're converted. They don't pray, and then their hearts are turned to God. Their hearts have turned to God and their eyes have been opened. God, God gives them life and they say, wow, I need you, God. A Christian learns to pray. And a Christian never graduates from prayer. We never graduate from the gospel and the need for prayer. Calling out to God for His grace is an ongoing part of the Christian life. Looking to Him, our hearts yearning for Him, not ceasing in prayer, but rather being the first thing a Christian does when confronted with anything. Does that describe you? When you're confronted with anything in your life, doesn't matter what time or what day of the week, it's your first instinct to pray. You see, it's clear in the Scriptures that we need to pray, that we're commanded to pray. And it's clear in the Scriptures that there's not just one single method to prayer either. There's not a one-size-fits-all to our prayers. Jesus gives us a model. It's called the Lord's Prayer. He sets the standard. He shows us what's important about prayer. But the Bible contains other prayers too. Not all of them were said in the same way. Not all of them were about the same things. These different prayers were dealing with the situation at hand for God's people. Praying is like that. It's not something you memorize or you casually approach. It's not saying the same words over and over in some mindless mantra. You see, doing that, your mind will drift. You're actually going away. You're being pulled away from God. Your heart is not engaged. But for the believer, it's the mind and the heart where prayer resides. Your mind being focused on what is in your heart. Your words you think of being outward expressions of your heart. Your mind and your heart being engaged in prayer. For the Christian, that means focusing your desires on God and removing everything else that competes for your affection. Saying in prayer, in essence, what you're doing in prayer is saying, I want God. I need God. Because prayer is all about communing with God. It's talking to Him. And like every other conversation you have, it's not always the same. You never have the same conversation with the same person. 
And while prayer is like the conversations you have, praying is not like every other conversation. It's very much different because of who you're talking to, who you're wanting to hear from in your prayers. There's no one else like God. There's nothing else as awesome as He is. And that's why our prayers are reverent. Our prayers have this humble submission to God. Our prayers to God have a lot of listening and waiting involved. Because unlike other conversations, what we have to say is not as important as what God is saying. And while we pray at any time, in any place, we can stand, we can sit, we can kneel down, we can be laying down, we can bring up anything, it doesn't compare to what God has to say or what He's doing or when He acts. Oftentimes, it's in our prayers that God gets us to lay aside whatever it is that's distracting us or impeding our our growth. What we think we want or what we think we need, He just kind of moves that aside and He brings us to a place of rest. And He shows us what He has in store. Showing us that His way is always the better way. Too many people have the wrong idea about prayer. They see prayer as rubbing a magical lamp from a genie in, in the sky to give them what they want. It's not the Christian version of winning the lottery either. That's not prayer. Nor is it an excuse to disobey. How many times have we heard someone say when when something's been pointed out to them and they'll say, well, I'll I'll pray about that. They use prayer as an excuse and prayer is not that. When we do that, that's disobedience. You can write this down. This is what prayer is. Prayer is having more of God. The God of the universe is there when we pray. When you pray, you have the attention of the most powerful, most beautiful, most awesome being in the universe. Prayer is not about getting more stuff from God. Getting a more comfortable life from God. It's not having God do things in your life to get what you want or to put you where you want to be. Prayer is drawing near to God. And learning to enjoy more of Him. One day, in a time that God's determined, every believer will be around His throne. There will not be a need for prayer. We will be in His glorious presence face to face. Until then, God's given us prayer while He works out His plan of redemption In this world, so that believers will have more of Him in this life. We don't wait for eternity. He's here now in our prayers. That means when you pray, more of His love, more of His grace, more of His wisdom, more of His power, more of His righteousness and His goodness and faithfulness is given to you. Going to God to get things completely misses the point. Because of what happens in prayer is what the believer gets. Prayer itself is the gift. God does not need us to pray, to act, and to move, yet He tells us to pray. 
He's working all things according to the counsel of His will. None of His plans can be stopped. God accomplishes all that He sets out to do. He will succeed in all His ways. The heaven and the earth is His, and He's not served by human hands as though He needed anything. Yet, God tells believers to pray. He's given us prayer. Why? If God accomplishes everything He sets out to do, if everything in your life is in His hands, why give us prayer? It's because in prayer, God gives His grace to those who ask from Him and who give thanks for Him. Prayer is for the believer, and it's the means of His grace which God gives Himself to them, and they in return thank Him for it. God definitely works outside of your prayers. He doesn't need your prayers to act, but it's in prayer He's giving Himself to you. That's why we say that God works in our prayers. We're not talking about the happenings all in our life, whatever. That's in God's hand. He's sovereign. What we're saying is that God is in our prayers. He gives prayer so that we can be closer and closer to Him and learn to enjoy Him regardless of what we face. In our text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Pray without ceasing. This gift, this command that God has given, He says, pray without ceasing. Our prayers should be without ceasing. That means never stopping. It should be something that we continually do every day throughout the day. His throne room should not seem strange to us, in other words. It should be a familiar place to us. Knowing this about prayer, that God's giving Himself to you when you pray, this command to never stop praying is telling you to rest in God's providential care for you. To receive the blessing of His eternal presence. To rejoice in Christ's righteousness and the hope of eternal life in the middle of sorrow, in the middle of your circumstances and troubles. See, you and I are so easily depressed. We're given in to impatience. But we can be lifted high above it all if you and I would only pray and do it continually. We pray based on the covenant that God upholds where He keeps all of His promises to us. The soul in the greatest depth that is given God's grace in prayer is put into that lifeboat. And it's kept from sinking further into sin. And is brought to the eternal shore by Christ who's been pulling you along the entire time. And He's standing there with open arms. What's better than the assurance that God is with us when we pray? What is better? What better answer can we receive in our prayers than God to say, I'm with you? What fills the soul like that? In faith-filled prayer, our doubt is cast aside. 
We're strengthened and we're motivated to keep going no matter what. And we're satisfied with the steadfast love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Do you want that in your life? I want you to have that. In our remaining time, I want us to look at how to practically put this into our lives. And it's through using the Acts acrostic. A-C-T-S, acrostic, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Using acts when we pray. Our passage, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, lays this out for us. These verses pertain to prayer. It says, rejoice, pray, give thanks, because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You see, Paul wrote these verses to the Thessalonians, because they were called to God in the midst of difficult circumstances. Paul had previously preached and ministered there in Thessalonica, a church that he started. But then Paul had to abruptly leave after a little bit because riots had started and the, the Christians were blamed for it. And Paul and others had to leave there in order to keep ministering. And then after they left, some members there in the church, the Thessalonian church, some of the members died. They didn't have a good understanding about death and they're struggling with it. And then they weren't expecting the persecution that was coming because of those riots and such and just the persecution that comes just with simply being a Christian. Some in the church became lazy when it got difficult. Others turned and just longed for Paul to come back and they were kind of reminiscing of the good days with Paul. They wanted him to teach them more. But by God's grace, that church held together. Even though they were struggling, even though they were in hard circumstances, they hung in there. And Paul, hearing this and and wanting to strengthen them, he wrote this letter and he says in verse 16, Rejoice always. He's saying that to these Christians who are faced with these, it seems like, unbeatable odds, these difficult circumstances. And he's telling them, rejoice always. This is not some pie-in-the-sky sentiment. He's not just wanting them to feel better. It's a command to rejoice regardless of your circumstances. Why? God, uh, Paul's not telling them to just be oblivious to what's going on, not pretending as if everything's okay. It's God Himself telling you and me, rejoice always. God is thinking of us by telling us to rejoice. Having a permanent outlook that sees joy in Christ. Do you realize that? Whatever you face, good or bad, nothing compares to having Christ your Savior. This life can seem hard. It can seem at times where we're just going to be overcome by it all. But we have Christ waiting for us. This is a general disposition we are to have in life. We are just in general to be joyful because of Christ. Be filled with joy and have it to the full. We should always have joy in our lives because of Christ. Even in the face of suffering, 
Because even in the most agonizing situations, God's presence is there in Christ. God's presence is there. He gives hope and He fills our hearts with His joy. But here He's he's telling us something more. This isn't just something that we are to just, again, try harder in and just... Even though I'm faced with these difficult times, I'm struggling here, I just need to have joy. I just I need to have joy. You keep telling yourself, you keep fighting. That's not what's going on here. There's something more. It's rejoicing that's expressed in prayer. It's very simple. God is not telling us, ignore all these circumstances. What He's saying is, come to me in prayer. Turn your thoughts and your heart to me in prayer. It's the same joy that we behold in every circumstance and thinking of Christ. It's the same joy, and it's in prayer. It's one that's deeply rooted in the gospel, and it's the primary reason we have hope that surpasses everything that we're faced with. This is a joy that grows out of knowing Christ knowing that He took our sin upon Himself and was sacrificed so that we are cleansed. And in His death, we're given life. And in His resurrection, we're given eternal relationship with God. This should make us joyful no matter the odds. No matter what we're faced with. That's why God commands us to pray. And He says, rejoice always. How do we do that? Think about what Christ has done. Think about who you are in Christ, regardless of the life you have now. You have Christ. We are to rejoice always, and this includes in our prayers. And if God has taken care of your eternal life, how easy is it for Him to care for you in this temporary life? Do you realize that? If God has taken care of the eternal matters... How easy is it for Him to care for you in this life? His promises are sure. He will certainly care for us in this life. Rejoicing in our prayers is done then by turning our thoughts toward God. And as our thoughts turn towards God, we automatically fall into this posture of praise and adoration for God. We start considering who He is, what He's done for us in Christ. We can't but help praise Him and begin to worship Him in our prayers. And as we praise God for who He is and what He's done, and we think of His promises, a restful, peace-filled joy begins to fill us. Even in the midst of hard circumstances, as we consider God, and most especially Christ, the grief and trouble we have begins to wane and subside because of the spiritual joy of being kept in Christ. Our thoughts turn from our troubles to the eternal glory that awaits us. Now God may do a wondrous work in the circumstances that we're praying about, but that's not the purpose of prayer. Prayer is receiving more of God. The second thing that Paul says is to pray continually. Pray without ceasing. 
We are to constantly confess. We are to constantly take our needs, our supplication to God. These are the things we, we recognize in our own lives that we, guess we can't deal with them on our own. We can't do it on our own. That's the supplication. The Christian life is described this way. It's a praying life. It's one of continual dependence on God. We can't do anything on our own. Do you remember what our Savior said? He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We can't keep faith on our own. We can't make it to the end on our own. We can't survive on our own. We need Him every minute of every day. So we take our request to God. We take our sins and our needs to Him. And only He cleanses us. We need Him to wash us by His Spirit and make us holy. And only He provides what we truly need. We pray in confidence to a God who says He's our Father. He's our Father who loves to give good gifts to His children. Not the kind of gifts that wither or fade. God's gifts are eternal and they're satisfying to the soul. We pray to a God who desires to do us good. So we take all things to Him. Even when it seems impossible. God says salvation is impossible with man, but with God it happens. You want someone to be saved, you pray for them until God chooses to awaken their soul. You have a need, a genuine need in your life, pray until God fulfills either that need or He shows you why He keeps it there. Don't give up on asking God. Go to Him again and again. Don't get to a point where you lose hope and say God can't do it. He can. He can. And if it's His will, then it will happen. You will get an answer. And in the meantime, as you go to Him, remember what you're getting every time you're you're in prayer. You're getting more of Him, which is more than anything that can happen in your life. Because of that, Paul gives us the third truth. He says, give thanks to Him in all circumstances. We are to be thankful. We are to be a people who are always rejoicing, always praying, and continually giving thanks to God. Our prayer should include thanksgiving to God. They should not be a means just to complain to God. That's not prayer. It's not a way to express how upset we are by not getting what we want. In our prayers, we learn to be content with God and who He is and what He's already done for us in our lives, what He's already given to us. There are times when we plead with God, we cry out with the burdens that we're carrying, but it's always in this posture of thankfulness of who He is and what He's already done, where He's taking us into eternity, into this relationship that goes on forever and ever. Giving thanks is an essential part of our prayers. The call to give thanks in all circumstances doesn't mean you do it in every single moment. Right There are times when we are dealing with some deep, hurt, some real pain in our lives. 
It's giving thanks no matter how good or how adverse the situation is. It's being grateful for being able to go to Him in such of those times as to when we need it. It's trusting God who has our good in mind. He makes us triumphant in any adversity, not because we beat it back or because it goes away, but precisely because His grace becomes more important to us and we see Him more clearly Wanting Him more. Always, without ceasing, in all circumstances. This should describe you in your prayer life. Always, without ceasing, in all circumstances. Prayers that are full of rejoicing in Christ, which rises above your circumstances. Taking your needs before God, who gladly cares for you. And it's with thanksgiving that shows your gratitude for God. Shows your thankfulness for His care that He so freely gives you. Why pray? Why have Christian lives defined by prayer? He tells us, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is why. Because this is what God would have for you. He would have you have more of Him. Pray rejoicing in Christ. Pray to the one who never forsakes, who always cares. Pray in thankfulness for what he's already done. Pray being aware of God's presence throughout your day. Let's go to him in prayer.